final week of Jesus' life. That one could exhaust himself in simply trying to talk about the activities. When our Lord knew he was going to his destiny, he hurried, it seemed, to take care of some last minute things. Because even though he came here with a purpose, he didn't know when the final stage would start. And the message that I want to talk to you about today is where John records that Jesus knew it was time for him to head to the cross. It's found in the gospel according to St. John chapter 12. You have read portions of it, maybe all of it, and maybe didn't pick up on the context of what had just happened in a particular passage. I'm going to start reading all the way down at the 27th verse. John 12 and 27. And if you will bear with me, try not to read a whole lot. when we're in service. For those of you who don't have your Bible with you, it should be displayed if you don't want to follow along. I'm going to be reading from the 
King James Version of the Bible. And it starts out with Jesus in mid-conversation. And Jesus says, now is my soul troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this cause came I unto this hour. Father, glorify thy name. Then came there a voice from heaven, saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. The people therefore stood by and heard it and said that it thundered. Others said an angel spoke to him. And Jesus answered and said, this voice came not because of me, but for your sakes. Now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. This he said, signifying which, what death he should die. The people answered him, We have heard out of the law that Christ abideth forever. And how sayest thou, the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is the Son of Man? Then Jesus said unto them, Yet a little while, is the light with you. Walk while ye have light, lest darkness come upon you. For he that walketh in darkness knoweth not whether he goeth. And while ye have light, believe in the light, that ye may be the children of light. These things spake Jesus and departed and did hide himself from them. I'm going to stop reading at that verse. And I want to use, if I have to have a central notion in this conversation, then it's going to be for this cause. For this cause. Use Jesus' own word. For this cause. I read the King James Version, although New Living Translation Version says for this reason. In verse 27, we enter into this conversation midstream. There's already something going on, but in the midst of the activity, Jesus, who is in a place of revelry and celebration, can suddenly turn serious. He's talking to his disciples. He's celebrating 
with his disciples, Cass, and suddenly he gets serious and says, in the midst of the party, my soul is troubled. What could happen in the middle of a party to make you suddenly stop and get as serious as Jesus is getting right now? If you walk through chapter 12 of the gospel according to St. John, you'll see that Jesus was in town for a party. And he was right back at his good friends, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus' house for a party. We talked a few weeks ago about Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Jesus is back there because they're celebrating Lazarus, who is the second most popular man in town. Yeah, Everybody wants to meet the man who was dead for four days. Everybody's fascinated by the man who was actually in the grave for four days, and so everybody in town is trying to get to Mary, Martha, and Lazarus' house, and they're having a celebration because they are as you would imagine, eternally grateful for what Jesus has done. But beneath the celebration, there is seriousness. Beneath what is happening on the exterior, there is a spiritual situation going on. Not only are they there to celebrate, they want to see Jesus too. While Jesus is at Mary and Martha's house, can I bring you in on this? Another incident happens that you're very familiar with. Because of the abundance of love in their heart, Mary decides it's time for her to show her greatest love to Jesus. And the Bible says she takes a, 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 a container of nard perfume and decides at this party that I want to show Jesus just how much I love him. And the Bible says she broke, broke the bottle on, her, on, on the floor and poured its contents on Jesus' feet. And then she washed his feet, or anointed, the Bible says. She anointed his feet with the perfume. Now, there's behind-the-scenes intrigue going on, too, because the disciples are sitting there, and one of them in the background is talking about how expensive the perfume was and why he, she shouldn't be wasting that money on Jesus' feet. The Bible tells us that in hindsight, this was an anointing of Jesus. But Mary couldn't understand what she found herself in. And while they're going on with the party and the anointing, people are coming in, and two disciples come in. They can't know what they're saying when they actually come. If you go through and get to about the 20th verse of that chapter, you'll see that two men came in asking to see Jesus. Seems very simple. Two men come in and they approach as they come in, Philip. And they say, we'd like to meet Jesus. And Philip goes to Andrew and tells them these two men want to see Jesus. And Philip and Andrew together go in to Jesus. And they say, Jesus, these two men would like to see you. 
They are Greek. And Jesus starts with, my soul is troubled. Because unknown to Philip and Andrew, unknown to the Greek men who come in just to visit with Jesus, there is a celestial clock that has just clicked its time. From this, con from this conversation, the clock has said, now is the time. It slides in so unassuming. I bet I could ask you in here, have you ever reached a point in your life when something's been going on, but something happened, and you knew it was time to make a change? I bet somebody in here has experienced that. Uh-oh, there's somebody in here who one day was sitting in the middle of a club and the beat dropped. And from that moment, you knew, it's time for me to get up out of here. I spent too long in this place. Maybe it's 11 o'clock and you and your cutest cute. And ain't nobody approached your table yet. And the clock ticked and said, it's time for you to get up out of here. Maybe you were in your suave and suave. And by now, somebody would have said something to you. But you haven't had any conversation with anybody. And the clock ticks and tells you, it's time for you to get up out of here. Maybe, just maybe. Do you remember when the clock ticked and you knew, it's time for me to get married? I don't know what the conversation was, but you knew that from this moment forward, things were going to be different. Or, or maybe you were on the job, and you had just hit the stapler one more time. And you said to yourself, it's time for me to get up out of here. Yeah. Kevin Garnett tells the story of a conversation that he had with Michael Jordan. For those of you who don't know basketball in the NBA, you know who Michael Jordan is. He's you know, the guy who's on all the tennis shoes, right? Him, considered one of the best basketball players ever. Some consider him the best. Kevin Garnett, you may not have heard of, but he too is a Hall of Famer basketball player. Kevin said he had a conversation with Michael Jordan, and he, he asked Mike, he said, Mike, when do you know it's time to, to hang it up? When's it time to stop? And he said Michael told him something that day that didn't make sense, but that he lived long enough to realize was absolutely true. He said, Michael said, brother, you're going to know it's time to stop when the game don't make no sense to you no more. Kevin said he heard it and he received it because they were friends. Didn't understand it. But he said, but he can remember the game he was playing a few years later. He didn't, re he didn't relate what happened in the game, but he said, in the middle of that game, Jordan's words came ringing true. And he said he realized this game, it just don't make no sense to me no more. Soon after that, he announced his retirement. There comes a time in your life when events happen and you simply know 
it's time for you to move on and do something different. And if you haven't realized that about some things yet, then the words of George Jones Sr. Just keep living. Because the day will come. In our passage today, Jesus reaches that point in his earthly ministry. Jesus, who has spent the last three years confounding all of the scholars. Jesus, who came with no specific pedigree to a place where he had thousands of people following him. Jesus, the same one who had healed folk who folks said would never get there. Jesus, who seemed to seek out the same ones who were so hard that all the doctors and physicians had given up on them. This Jesus, who gave folk not just who were blind, but the hardest cases of the ones who were blind from birth. This Jesus, this Jesus, the one who said that he could give a man his sight back, but also he could make a lame man walk. Yeah, the same one who could give hearing back to someone who was deaf. The one who could take the hardest case at the time, leprosy, and make it fall off like babies' tears falling off a person. This same Jesus has reached a point where he says, of all my ministry in the last three years, now my soul is troubled. See, it makes us feel good in our relationship with Jesus to think of him not as Jesus the man, but Jesus, God's son. But in this verse that I started reading with you today, I'm seeing Jesus, the man, who realizes that the time has come for him to start walking toward his ultimate destiny. And his ultimate destiny has been from the moment that the Holy Spirit placed him in Mary's womb to come here and rescue me and you. For this cause, he was put on earth. But it's one thing to know your destiny. It's another thing to start moving towards it. And this man named Jesus is sitting there celebrating with his friends, and all of a sudden in walk two men who don't mean anything to anybody else. He doesn't know them. Philip and Andrew don't know who they brought through the front door, but they just brought the clock through the door. Why is this the time? To change because there have been other times when Jesus, who was always talking about time in his ministry, you remember in his, the beginning of his ministry, his mama, knowing that he was special, made him go to a wedding with her. They get to the wedding, and at the end of the wedding, it seems the guest has run out of wine, and his mama slips over to him and says, Jesus. Baby, why don't you do something to help him out? <laughs> and what does Jesus say to him? He says, woman, my hour has not come. In other words, Jesus is saying, it ain't time. And yet even under those circumstances, Jesus turns around and does something that we underestimate today. Jesus turns water, 150 gallons of water, into the best wine this world has ever had. Not a couple of bottles of water, 
the Bible says that the wine was so good that the folk at the party said, what is this? They usually save the cheap wine to the end when everybody's drunk, but this man has given the best wine at the end. That's how good Jesus' wine was. And still, under those circumstances, Jesus said, my hour has not come. Another occasion at a feast. You can read all this. John, John walks you through it. Just started, 1 John, when Jesus announces that he is the word, the word was with God. Walk through it. Another occasion, John chapter 7, they had a feast. Jesus teaching at the temple. And there were people who took exception to what Jesus was saying, but Jesus taught with such authority that they couldn't dispute him. And so because they couldn't dispute him and he was making them look bad, they sought to arrest him. But you read in John chapter 7, verse 30 specifically, no one laid hands on him. Why? Because the hour had not come. <laughs> yeah, and then later on, next chapter of John, chapter 8, there were those who were planning to arrest him under those circumstances. And Jesus spake these words to them. He, he said while he was teaching, he was talking about the treasury in the temple and telling them how they were misusing the money. They were upset again because Jesus is tearing down the economic system in the temple. These folk are mad at him. They don't want to just see their money going away. Not only is Jesus tearing up the economy in the temple, people losing money and they're losing respectability. Jesus is doing something unheard of. This man is raising folk from the dead. If they believe he can raise folk from the dead, then nobody's going to come to church on Sunday, on Sabbath. They're mad. And what you'll find right before the party at Lazarus' house, that there weren't only people who wanted to come in and see Lazarus, the temple officials were there as well. And not only did they have it in for Jesus, they also, the Bible says, go read it, right, right above that 27th verse, they also plotted to kill Lazarus. Yeah, we want to kill him for real this time. And so all of this is the backdrop. But in through the door walks two Greeks, and the clock in heaven strikes fullness of time. Because Jesus' primary mission when he came to earth, Tyrone, was to preach to the Jews. But in through the door walked two Greeks, which represents Gentiles. And now not only are Jews seeking Jesus, but the rest of the world has come to him too. And he now has the okay from heaven that your word has reached the uttermost parts of the world. And other people are now seeking you. And Jesus knows it's time for me to end my ministry and my earthly ministry and get my disciples ready to carry it on. And like anybody with good sense, when something comes to an end, how can you not be troubled? When you know what he's got to go through just to get through this next week, how can you not be troubled? And you see Jesus, Mary's baby, sitting there saying, my heart is troubled. 
because I'm about to literally go through everything just to prove to you how much I love you. And they didn't even understand what they had walked through the door to him. It's interesting because Jesus spent his entire ministry, y'all, waiting on the sign. He knew that it was going to be given to him, all right? He waited for the sign. He knew enough to say on multiple occasions, not yet. That's not the sign. And because he stayed in constant contact with his father, when those, Jews, when those Greeks walked in the door at Lazarus' house, he knew enough to know that while those other situations were not it, this is it. This is the time for this cause I have come to you that I might spread the love of our, my father to all the world. And look how God validated him. I read it to you. Did you hear it? When Jesus said that his soul was vexed, the Bible said that God, who's not easy to get in touch with if you don't know him, right? But oh, when you start messing with his boy, the Bible said he'll show up and take care of him. And we've seen at least two other occasions when Jesus was involved and God showed up himself. It was as if God got in the pickup line at school and said, I'm coming to get my boy myself today. I'm not sending nobody else down there. There ain't no angels coming to get him. God drove up in his escalator and said, get in, boy. God would drive an escalator or something like that, wouldn't he? Anyway, God came himself. How do I know it happened? Because when Jesus was baptized, God was so pleased that he would take that step. The Bible said God showed up himself, and an audible response was heard that God was there. The Bible also says that at the Mount of Transfiguration, God showed up there, and they heard the voice of God. And in this instance, when those two Greek men walked into the door, and Jesus said, my voice, my, my, my soul is troubled, the Bible said at that instance, God showed up and spoke such that everybody there heard him. They said it sounded like thunder rolling when God spoke and said, again, he's pleasing his son. And guess what Jesus said? He didn't do that for me, y'all. That's what he said. He said he didn't do that. He didn't speak for me. He said he did that for your benefit that you might hear him. In other words, God validated this moment in time. The clock struck and God spoke. And Jesus knew that it was time. Yeah, Father, he said, glorify not my name. That's not what Jesus said. He said, glorify thy name at this time because all the work that I'm doing, I've come just to bring glory to you. It doesn't matter what I have to go through. I just want them to know that all my work is for you, Father. He said, glorify thy name. In other words, when I hear the clock strike, I know I'm doing my Father's work. And God said to him in response, I have glorified my name and I will glorify it again. And everybody heard him. The voice came not because of me, but for your sake, Jesus said. 
And then, interestingly, Jesus tells his disciples and friends again, now the judgment starts. Can I give you a secret? The judgment only comes to non-believers. Walk with me. If you are a follower of Christ, then just as Christ left this life to eternal life, you do too. You don't go through the judgment. You go to reward. But when you're not a believer, then you face the judgment. And that's why he said the judgment of this world is about to begin. You heard folks saying it before. They say, this old world is not my home. When you leave here and you're in the fold of Christ, you go to be with him, just like he did. Just like he did. And Jesus Christ was giving the sign. What's the benefit, based on what Jesus said, of him getting this sign? Yeah, the sign of Gentiles wanting to see him was so he would know that now your ministry, your personal ministry on earth is no longer needed, Jesus. Now you have discipled enough to let your followers carry the message along. You don't have to stay on earth any longer, but you do have to complete the work that you started, which is why Jesus said, my soul is vexed. You don't have to stay yourself to tell them about me, but you do have to put the punctuation mark on the mission that I sent you to. And that's why Jesus said, now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. Watch this. And I, if I be lifted up, and I, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. Y'all can walk out here and say, Jesus said, Jesus said at Lazarus' party, he was going to the cross. Who brings this seriousness to a party? Only somebody that loves you enough to know when the clock strikes. For this reason that he came, this very reason, this cause, is why he came. And I got to tell you this, it doesn't matter how good a time you're having, when it's time, it's time. Ain't nothing you can do about it. When the Lord says, now is the time, now is the time. The party is over. It's time for you to pack up and it's time for you to get ready to come on back home because heaven hadn't been happy since you've been gone, my boy. I need you to come on back right now. Pack up. And the fact that you got to go through death to get here is part of what you promised to do. Watch this now. Yeah, it's as if Jesus got on a train. How about a ship? Stepped on a ship, and that ship had to go through death in order for him to get back to heaven. And that's exactly what he was willing to do. And he realized that, Sister Hall, sitting in Mary and Martha's house. Greek men go unnamed because it doesn't matter. 
Guess what? The Greek men could have been me and you. All it signified to Jesus was now is the time. And then before he left here, if you keep on reading, Richard, Jesus made sure he dedicated himself to continuing the rest of his father's work. Yeah, he dedicated himself. Words that show his only purpose, his primary purpose in dying was to share his life with his disciples and give them access to eternal life. That's his only purpose. The rest of the stuff only was given to show that he was who he said he was. And those who saw him and believed were benefited by it. But he said, those who've never seen me touch a lame man and make him walk, those who've never seen me touch a blind man and make him see, those who've never seen me touch a man with leprosy and make him whole, those who've never seen me do that yet believe. None of us have ever seen Jesus do those things, which is why he already called us blessed if we believe without the signs and wonders that other folk have had to have. Some folk don't believe unless they see something. He pronounced a blessing on those who couldn't see it, wouldn't see it, and yet still you and I believe it. And so Jesus started his journey that week through to the cross. Why did Jesus' death make a difference to me and you? Well, first of all, he had to do it to complete two things. The first thing is he had to make sure that you and I were forgiven. Yeah. So those of you who take that for granted, those of you who keep on sinning unashamedly, those of you who make fun of it, Jesus just going to have to forgive me because I'm going to do this. Those of you, come on now. I know I've heard it too many times and said it myself. All right. Those of us who take for granted what Jesus did that week that we call Passion Week, understand the significance of what was going on. Look at what you're taking for granted. This man died for you and I to be forgiven of our sins, and yet we still take sinning for granted. And so he had to do that so that the sin of the world, the sin of the world, all right, sin sounds singular, but it's really plural because it means all the sin of the world. Think about that. Think about in this room alone, all the lying and cheating and cussing and everything in this room. Just in this room, all the thoughts that are not pure, all the things in this room, just in this sanctuary. Now multiply that over the whole world and look at what my Jesus had to take care of. The weight of the wrong is so unimaginable. And yet he willingly did it for us not only did he have to make sure our sins were forgiven he also had to make sure that eternal life was available to you and i yeah everybody that would receive him was given eternal 
life. Everybody who believes in him is given eternal life. Do you take eternal life for granted? Not something you can go by. Not something you can get a payment plan on. Not something you can go to the right church for, grow up in the right neighborhood for, be born into the right family. No, no, no. None of that comes with a bonus of eternal life. The only way you and I can get eternal life is we have to go to the eternal life giver. And the eternal life giver is the son of the only true and living God who was willing to give his whole life so that you and I might have eternal life. And that's what his death signifies and that's what he started out on that, that we say that Sunday morning. Marching toward the cross. And so that begs the question there, what's our response? to the Jesus. He came for this cause. Do you ignore this cause? Do you ignore what Jesus Christ did on that, that party day? I don't even know. Uh, chronologically, they give us a listing of the times when Jesus left that house when everybody's hounding him, including death is hounding him. He knows now that death is stalking him and is sure to catch him. And in fact, we know now in hindsight that he leaves that party on the way to a cross. Think about that now. Jesus left a party given in his and Lazarus's honor on the way to a cross for me and you. Whoever thinks that they're going to leave a good time on the way to the last time. Nobody thinks that that's going to happen, but Jesus knew when he left the party that night that Lazarus, Mary, Martha, this is going to be the last time. The next time you see me, I'm going to be on the cross. The next time you see me, they're going to be beating me as I go down the Via Della Rosa. The next time you see me is going to be after they have put me through six illegal trials trying to convince themselves that they were justified in putting me on that skull over there, the, the hill they call uh, Skull Mountain over there on that cross. The next time you see me, I'm going to be dragging my own cross down the street. The next time you see me, I'm going to have a crown of thorns on my head the next time. Who leaves a party thinking that's going to happen? So much happened. And Jesus had to get some things together, y'all. Before he could get to that cross, the Bible says that on Sunday, Jesus came through while he was tidying up things here on earth. Before he could make it to that cross on Friday, the Bible says on Sunday, he needed to get the church house together. And so the Bible says that he went in there and they said he found, he found a cord, y'all. And he braided a cord together and he went in the church house. And the Bible said he started beating all the animals out and running all the money changers out because he said, I need to clean up my father's house before I go to this cross on Friday. And so on Sunday, y'all, he went and he got a cord. And then on Monday, y'all, you need to know that Jesus wasn't finished. I'm sorry, he had to come in on Sunday before he could even get to the court, he had to, he had to get on a coat, the Bible says. A coat. That's what we're celebrating today, Palm Sunday. The Bible said he went and got on a coat. Nobody had ever sat on it. In fact, I heard a wonderful 
dramatization of it this morning, talking about how wild the coat was. The coat wouldn't let anybody touch it until Jesus. Yeah, the coat didn't even want to leave his mama's side until Jesus. Jesus came and touched the coat and the coat calmed down. And the Bible says that two of his disciples took their clothes and they put it on the coat's back. Had never been ridden before. And this coat that had never been ridden before let Jesus mount it. And Jesus came into the city. And before they got to the city, you could hear the folk cheering because they knew that this man who had raised Lazarus from the dead was on his way in. And so they started shouting, Hosanna! Blessed be the rock. Bless his name. He's coming in. This is the celebration that Jesus is coming to. So on Sunday, y'all, he picked up that coat. On Monday, the Bible says that after they had celebrated with him and he had gotten the sign that it was time for him to start moving to the cross, that's when the Bible says he picked up some braids and made a, a, a cord out of it. And the Bible says he said he got to go in and straighten out the church. Straighten out the temple. So the Bible says he went in on Monday and ran the money changers out of the temple. And he took all the animals out that they were making money from. So on Sunday, Jesus picked up a coat. On Monday, he picked up a cord. On Tuesday, the Bible says he picked up a crowd. There were a crowd of folks sitting around. And the Pharisees and the Sadducees were trying to resuscitate their, their reputation. But Jesus told them, you need to watch out for these pit vipers. Don't listen to what they say. They are hypocrites. And in fact, what they're telling you is wrong. So on Monday, on Sunday, he picked up a coat. On Monday, he picked up a cord. On Tuesday, he picked up a crowd. On Wednesday, y'all, things started getting hairy because the Bible says that's the day that Judas went in and started talking to the Sanhedrin. And so on Wednesday, he picked up a conspiracy. Yeah, this same Jesus who had picked up a coat on Sunday, picked up a cord on Monday, picked up a crowd on Tuesday, on Wednesday, he picked up a conspiracy. And then on Thursday, the Bible says what we, you and I are going to do in a few minutes, the same Jesus who had picked up a coat, a cord, a crowd, and a conspiracy, he picked up a cup on Thursday. Yeah, this cup. Jesus said he gives us this as an example. And he gave us what we still call all this time later, his last supper. Yeah. So on Sunday, he picked up a coat. On Monday, he picked up a cord. On Tuesday, he picked up a, court, a crowd. On Wednesday, he picked up a conspiracy. On Thursday, he picked up a cup. And then y'all know what happened on Friday. The same Jesus who had marched through the whole week didn't think it robbery that he would go to the cross for me and you. The same Jesus who laid his life down for me and you. The same Jesus came and on Friday didn't have no problem picking up a cross. Yeah, yeah. He picked up on Sunday, he picked up a coat. On Monday, he picked up a cord. On Tuesday, he picked up a crowd. On Wednesday, he picked up a conspiracy. On Thursday, he picked up a cup. On Friday, he picked up a cross. Same Jesus was willing to give us his blood. The Bible says that there are those who would argue that on Saturday things were silent. No one knew what happened while Jesus was in the grave. There are some who might say, James, that uh, some theologians argue that Jesus led captivity captive on that Saturday. But that's not, we don't know. So, but we'll say, 
Jesus picked up a captive on Saturday. Yeah, the same one who had picked up a coat, a cord, a crowd, a, a conspiracy, a cup, and a cross, went and picked up a captive. But I do know what happened on Sunday. There may be some speculation on what happened on Saturday. There may not be any togetherness when it comes to thought givers on what happened on Saturday. But I don't have no doubt what happened on Sunday. I don't have any question about what he did on Sunday because it was Sunday that made Jesus pick up what you and I need to be grateful for. My Bible says that the same Jesus who picked up a coat, the same Jesus who picked up a cord, the same Jesus who picked up a crowd, the same Jesus who picked up a conspiracy. No, not a different one, but the same Jesus who picked up a cup, the same one on Friday who picked up a cross, the one on Saturday, they say, picked up a captive. On Sunday, the same Jesus picked up a crown. Same one picked up a crown yes sir he picked up a crown and he got eternal life given to him and because he picked up this crown he's able to give you and I the same right to the tree of life the Bible says that Jesus is waiting Jesus is able Jesus is the only qualified the all-sufficient Savior but he knew on Sunday that he was working his way to a crown on the next week. I came to tell you today that the opportunity exists for you to follow Jesus into eternity. But you got to be willing to give him your life. You got to be willing to believe in his sacrifice. You have to be willing to simply accept, accept all the work that he's done. The same one who had the crown on that Sunday is still sitting on the right hand of the Father today. And he's making intercession for you and I. My question to you today is, won't you accept his gift? Won't you accept his gift of salvation? While the elders of our church come right now, I'm inviting you to come right now. Come to Jesus. Accept his gift. You are the cause for which he came. Your eternal life is the reason he came. Won't you come right now? The doors of our church are wide open. Whosoever will, let them come right now. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Yeah, come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Yeah, right now.